day as we gather in the truth. There's nothing better to gather in his name and to fellowship so we can know him more and more deeply. This topic is probably the most important topic of your life. And if you read this book, it determines how far you go in the Lord Jesus Christ. This book is so valuable. And when it's received in the way that God intended it to be received, um, you, you grow and flourish and you have a relationship with him where you begin to hear him and live all your days being led by the spirit. How many people here want to be led by the spirit? I can't tell you how important it is to get the foundations right when you become a Christian. I've seen this um, being lived out in my life, how the Bible came alive and the Holy Spirit started to teach me. And it's not about time, um, how long you've been a believer, whether long or short. If you can understand uh, the principles of what God is really interested in, you begin to fl flourish and grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. Something, <clears throat> something that I would like to share before I get started regarding this topic. I've been having prophetic dreams every week now. And it's like, it's like God is comfortable in trusting me with these uh, uh, visions and the things that are to come. And, you know, something came to me, um, why the church world is quiet today and why they have become quiet. You know, one person, after hearing all the prophetic dreams that I had, uh, one person, he said, who vouches for you? Who vouches for you? As in, as in, who's this no-name guy that's getting these dreams and speaking in the name of God or representing God about the things that are to come? And unfortunately, this is the church world today. It's dressed in pride because my platform comes from Christ. My authority comes from Christ. And what he's been showing me, what he's been showing me, the things that are to come, uh, it's overwhelming. Um, it's challenging. But it's also to take comfort in him because I've heard it from the source, God. And what a blessing it is that we are hearing him in challenging times. The church world is quiet today because they've been, they've been operating in, 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 a, in a different way of his spirit. They're all about giving people good words, um, feeding people with the flesh, and, and sharing with the church world today that, you know, 
God accepts you, God loves you, and, you know, you can ask whatever you want from God. You know, the church world today, the prophetic realm, and, 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 the, and the gifting realm, uh, it's like they're not in order with the Spirit. And when the Lord's been showing me what's to come in detail and speaking to my spirit, I really believe that many prophets or many people that represent God on, on, a, on, a, on a high level where they have a big platform, I really believe they missed out on hearing God because they gave in to the enemy. I really believe that the church world today they missed out on the platform of God, the warnings, the discernment, the obedience, and the truth because they gave in to the enemy. And I don't believe, this is my opinion, I don't believe the prophetic will continue with people who give in to the devil. I really believe that once you try to justify yourself in being given over to sin, being given over to the prince of this world, and trying to uh, bring God into your situation, I really believe that God's voice stops. So is it, is it a coincidence that the church world today have gone quiet? All the people now, they're quiet. It's like the, it's like the prophetic voice has shut. So many people have, have asked questions why it's shut. Or why isn't God speaking, especially in these troubled times? He is speaking. And I told you from before that we're in a season of standing firm. God is separating the goats from the sheep. He's separating the ones that love him and the ones that honor him above their life. We overcome Satan by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Our testimony speaks of how precious the blood is to our life. Our testimony of how we held on to the truth, no matter what the cost is. You know that? No matter what the cost is, whether to die or to suffer or to struggle, no matter what the cost is, God is calling us to stand firm. And I can say this as a brother, I'm here for you in every way. Um, possible that I can support you and help you. But I'll tell you the truth, you're in a season where we have to stand firm. For the people, for the people, there's going to come a time where God's blessed you with more. And there's going to come a time where you're going to be able to share with the people who have little. There's going to come a time where you're going to begin to open your heart to see how you can bless and serve and love the body. And I pray by the grace of God that you open your heart to understand this. So I had some more prophetic dreams I'd like to share. My platform is Jesus Christ. He's the one that plucked me out and called me to represent him. And I pray by the grace of God that I, that I do this in a way that gives honor to him. So I had a dream last week that I got taken into Parliament House. And I saw they were having a meeting all together. 
And it was no more about the vaccine. It was no more about the coronavirus. This was about oppressing the people of God. They wanted the people of God to suffer. They wanted the people, not only in Australia, it's a worldwide attack on people's hearts. It's like they wanted to break the people's hearts. And I saw that they were speaking about different ways to crush people's heart. And like I said, it's like they've gone past the sickness now. They've gone past the coronavirus. It's like now they put laws in and they oppress the people because this corona thing, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to like slowly start to ease off. But I saw that they, were, they put uh, rules on people to oppress them, to break their heart and to allow them to feel like they're prisoners. And this is what's to come. You're going to see the rules now from the governments in the years to come. They're going to begin to oppress the people. And this comes from Satan himself. If he can cause you stress and fear and worry and oppression, believe me, it's like you're already dead inside. God showed me he's with us. I got taken into the Middle East. Now, this is interesting. I got taken to the Middle East. And I got taken into a massive auditorium. And on the left side, there was ISIS. And on the right side, there were Taliban. And they joined together in my dream. And they marched all the way. They marched all the way from Afghanistan all the way into Israel. And a great war happened in the Middle East. There was a great bloodshed. And there was a great war. I saw countries like China. They were backing them up, but they, they were disguised. As in, they didn't get their hands dirty. They were backing them up with weapons and money, but they weren't getting their hands dirty. It's like the Taliban and the, and the and the ISIS were doing the dirty work. And these people in the background supporting them with weapons and, and military and, and all the funding. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me in the dream that the war is coming. There's going to be a great war, especially in the Middle East. And, and this is what's to come after this pandemic. Um, there's a war that's ready to take place. And I can tell you now that God is with us. I assure you this. He's with us. And he will protect us. But I, I share something with you. The, the majority of the church world remember what I said. Through fear and intimidation, that demonic dog, the spirit of Leviathan was released upon Australia and they twisted the word of God. They began to use the word of God to get vaccinated, use the word of God to comply with the government, which is out of context. And it's happening before our eyes. Now they're looking up uh, vaccinations for children. Remember from nine months ago, I shared that. So God is with us. I pray by the grace of God that we stay together.
then you will try to separate each other. And I'll tell you this now. We carry the truth, and our inheritance, our life, is later when we die. We may suffer in this earth, we may struggle, we may be challenged. Um, maybe in Australia, you may be jailed for your faith, I don't know. But different towards the Middle East. But I share with you now, for the ones who stand firm, um, God will shine through you. So there's a great war happening in the Middle East. It's beginning to take place. It's forming right before our eyes. So when it does come, again, we're not shocked. But we know that God is speaking and he's preparing us. But like I said, after this pandemic ends, the government's going to look for different ways to oppress the people, different ways to allow the people to suffer, unfortunately. But nothing can harm us. Why? Because we are free by the Spirit. When you have the Holy Spirit operating in your life, you don't have to be afraid. But so many people today, they didn't prepare their hearts for the Lord. They're easily given over to fear, easily given over to doubt, easily given over to confusion, easily given over to failure, easily given over to defeat. I tried my best these years that I walked with you is to prepare your hearts with fasting and prayer and crucifying of the flesh. I really believe by the grace of God, I pushed many people into this place. And this is the Holy Spirit working in your life, preparing you to walk in the Spirit so you can stand. Because the flesh never wants to do the things of the Spirit. They're always in opposition. So I pray that every person today understands the things that are going to happen in the world. It's going to get worse. Believe me, the Lord is with us. He is really with us. The church world today, unfortunately, they're numb. There are many men of God out there that have stood firm. Many women of God out there that have stood, have stood firm in the world. But I tell you now, there's going to be a great falling away. I pray from today we can honor and love each other and serve each other with everything that you have. In the future, God will use you to help the body. God will use you to be there for each other. Okay. Who wants to hear some testimonies? We love testimonies. Amen. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. You must know this. For the ones who prepare themselves in this life on earth to be vessels for the Holy Spirit, you witness Jesus like you've never witnessed him before. The Bible says, the flesh is weak, the spirit is willing. Every day, the flesh wants to rise and wants to allow you to operate out of the old man. But every day, if you learn this key, and treasure to, to bring the flesh into subjection to the way of the Spirit, God will build you and establish you so you may know why God put you on earth. 
you know, God put you on earth, all the works to bring salvation. The Bible says the one who is wise, he wins souls. Remember the true wisdom of God, what does it produce? The one who is wise, he wins souls. <coughs> Jesus loves this. God will allow you to go out there and win souls, to baptize people in the Holy Spirit, bring people to repentance, to teach them the deep meaning of walking with God, and and most and most of all to operate in His Holy Spirit. So two weeks ago, I got called. You know, probably yeah, ten days ago, I got called to pray for a young man. He was around twenty-four years old. Um, he had the he had the vaccine, and his whole left side of his body, um, he was he, he wasn't responding. He was numb, and he couldn't walk properly. And he had a mini stroke um, the next day that he took the vaccine. Um, I want to show you how good God is. You know, I'm all about I'm all about praying for people um, via text message and all that stuff. But if you really want to see the glory of the Lord Jesus operate through you, it's it's face to face with the Holy Spirit. You've got to be there in person. Does that make sense? We pray for people um, over the internet um, through messages, but th th that's not what it was in, in the Acts of the Apostles. That's not how the Holy Spirit truly glorifies Jesus on earth. You've got to be there in person. And for me, text messages and praying for people, I'm all for it, don't get me wrong, but you never witness the glory of God when you're in there. I really believe that when you're in a place, you can be bold in the Holy Spirit. You can preach the gospel and how it is, and you'll see the Holy Spirit manifest the glory of God. So the two days later, I met up with the boy, and he was very sick. I preached for eight hours that day. I finished two in the morning. And I was preaching about how to read the word of God. It was interesting because this is what I'm talking about now. And what happened was um, after eight hours of preaching, the Holy Spirit said, enough, you pray on him, he's going to get delivered. So I've got someone to stand behind him. Remember, the whole left side of his body, it's like it's not responding. It's like half of his body is... It's like his nervous system is just down on half of the body. And the Holy Spirit came upon him. And he started to manifest. Demons started to come out of him. Uh, you know, you put A, B, and C together, like, you begin to see, okay, like, this is spiritual. Anyways, the demon came out of him. And the, and the precious Holy Spirit fell on him and it healed the whole side of his left body. He got up fully healed, like nothing happened. And the Lord gave him two words about his life that, that, he, that he needs to change. And, and he got up and he went home and his family were overwhelmed. All glory to Jesus Christ. His family was overwhelmed and they said, we, we want to 
we want to uh, meet this person who told you about um, Jesus and we want to know how this healing took place. The greatest way Jesus is glorified when someone is sick and he needs healing. Or when someone is oppressed and, and, uh, and they get the difference. This is the, the, the most important way to glorify Jesus. And this guy, he went back to work, like nothing happened to him. And something that I want to share with every person here, if there's something that I would like to establish you in, the first foundation is truth, that you walk in truth. The first foundation. Nothing is more valuable to me than your heart is of the Lord. That you walk in his truth. This is how the Holy Spirit told me for eight years of my journey. From the beginning of what he's most interested in. Believe me, I can't tell you. The greatest joy I get is when I see people walking in the truth. Remember, the gifts are given without repentance. You could, you could receive it without even repenting. So for me, speaking to every person here, the most important thing here is that you walk in the truth, that Jesus has your heart. So many people here, they, they, they know of him, but Jesus wants something deeper. He wants you to live in him every day. And that guy, that guy went, he went home glorifying Jesus. Jesus became real to him. Why? Because he was sick and he's healed. Something so important for me, why I was so convicted in the beginning of my journey, I think the police are here to get me. Why I was so convicted in the beginning of my journey, I preached the gospel and I didn't see the glory of God operating the way that I wanted it to be operated. I preached the gospel and didn't see the precious Holy Spirit operating through my words. And in that moment, I was so challenged. Am I walking in the Holy Spirit? Am I truly representing Jesus as his word says? What am I doing wrong? I started to quickly put my finger on the things that I wasn't seeing being uh, exposed in my journey. So the most important thing, put it this way, eight hours of preaching about how to walk with the in the truth, the Holy Spirit said, okay, and he healed him in that moment. After 20 minutes, him being on the floor, the Holy Spirit came upon him and everything was gone. So Jesus is the miracle worker. The most important thing you're going to learn today is am I reading the word of God in line with the Holy Spirit? Am I in line with the Holy Spirit? And this is so important for every believer here today. Are you in line with the Holy Spirit? So this topic is precious and 
I pray that from today you understand how the Holy Spirit teaches. So let's 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 get into it. Remember last week from John three sixteen. Remember, first comes the love of God, then he's described as the light of God. Yes, everyone's on board with me. Yes. Remember what the what the love of God um, the love of God defines Jesus' death on the cross. The light of God. What does the light of God define as? How Jesus walked on earth. You must know there is such a powerful meaning what it means to walk in the light of God. Let's read some scripture. So let's go to John, John chapter 8, verse 12. If anyone wants to put it on the post. John chapter 8, verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. You begin to see here, there is a momentum that's gaining. That God wants us to understand that he is light. This will bless your heart because you're going to begin to see where you are with the Lord. You know how, how I find the Holy Spirit, how he teaches? When I come to study, I share this with you, I see it with an open book, nothing. And I say, Holy Spirit, help me, teach me. And all the week I'm praying in tongues, fasting, and preparing myself for what God wants to speak to me. So what you're hearing here today is what the Holy Spirit wants to speak. You may think, you always speak about the heart. You don't, you don't speak anything that's outside the heart. You know, the Holy Spirit, he's the same. He always goes from inside. <clears throat> so it says, then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Okay. Let's go to 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. It says, this is the message which we heard from him and declared to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Which message did they hear? John chapter 8 verse 12. The one that I just quoted. Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. First John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message which we heard from him and declared to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Amen. So this is an interesting teaching. Have you ever thought today, what does it mean to walk in darkness? Have you ever asked yourself as a believer? Uh, can everyone hear me? Yes, no? 
Okay. <clears throat> so it says, have you ever asked yourself, what does it mean to walk in darkness? He says here, in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. That's a powerful word. There. It's a powerful word here. Darkness. Yes? So today I'm preaching about the light. Have you ever thought about what darkness is? And how and how does it um, and how how does it expose itself? You know, for me, when I first started to read the Bible, you know, there was there was something so precious to me that I like to share it with you. When I started to read the Bible, I wanted to find out everything that God hates and everything that God loves. In the beginning of my journey, this was an important key for me. I wanted to find out how much uh, the things that God hates and the things that God loves. And this, this brought the attention of the Holy Spirit to me uh, so much more. I got the attention of God. You know why? Because that speaks of change. That speaks of repentance. That speaks of me wanting to draw near to him. The attention of the Holy Spirit came. And his presence came. The Holy Spirit, the teaching came. Why? Because this key. I wanted to know the things that God hates and the things that God loves. And I really believe the greatest transition as a believer is in this place. You will excel in the way of the Holy Spirit if you walk in this principle. Does it come alone? Does it just come by itself? When you understand the things that God loves and the things that God hates, does it just come alone or by itself without you doing anything? No. There is something that you have to do. <clears throat> in the beginning of your journey, it's important. Remember, this topic is about how you read the Bible. In the beginning of your journey, it's important that you get the understanding of what darkness means. Why? Because you begin to see the things that are dominating you, dictating you, and governing you that are not of God. You begin to see it clearly. You cannot be at war with something unless you know what you're actually fighting. How many people here are struggling with frustration, are struggling with control, are struggling with confusion, and they don't know where it's coming from. How many people here, their peace is getting robbed, their joy is getting robbed and, and they don't know what's happening inside of them. For me, I like to paint a clearer picture that when I come to God, I want to understand the, the fundamentals or, or the principles of what's going to happen inside of me. When you understand this, you have clarity. Believe me, when you have clarity in your journey, it's very hard for you to get discouraged. It's very hard for you to be condemned. It's very hard for you to fall away. 
Because when you understand the process of God, you can begin to understand the things that he has to address. And it's multi-layered. The last six years I've been speaking about this. It's multi-layered. But it all begins in the place of your heart. For some people today, now it may shock you because the darkness that is getting exposed in you, but remember, it's the Spirit of God that's doing it. In the beginning of your journey, you're dealing with more darkness than light. Let's establish this. When you first become a believer or you first give your life to Christ, you're dealing with more darkness than light. So let's, have, let's, let's um, have a look and see where this goes. The word darkness, now I want to go into the Greek. This will bless you, this teaching will bless you to understand how darkness exposes itself. How does it present itself to you? What are the fruits? How does the alarm get rung inside of you? Okay, this, this, is, this, is, not, this is nothing or something, it's, it's darkness. So let's have a look here. The word darkness in the Strong's um, is the Strong's Greek 4653. For anyone who wants to um, look it up with me. So the Strong's, the Strong's Greek, 4653. The word is skotea, skotea in the Greek. Yeah, 4653. So I believe that before the light of God can manifest in the way where there are no limitations or restrictions, how many people here, they feel like when it comes to God, there is limitations and there's restrictions. They don't feel like they can fellowship in the way of the Holy Spirit as the word intended for them to be. How many people feel here? There's blockages, whether it be emotional, whether it be mental, whether it be in your intellect. How many people feel here like they're not gaining momentum or they're not being established in the Holy Spirit? They feel like um, they know of him, but they're lacking growth or they're lacking maturity. Or they're lacking discernment. You know, you begin to ask yourself these questions. You begin to see, okay, what has God done through my life? I like to ask each person here that's listening, what has God done through your life? You begin to see, okay, what fruits have I learned from the Lord Jesus? So many people when the pandemic comes saying, Lord, you come and take your bride. Are you sure you're actually ready? Are you sure you've actually finished uh, finished and fight the good fight of faith on earth? Have you, have you completed God's will on earth? Only if you knew how precious your life is in Christ and the plan that he has for you. It's beyond, beyond human reasoning and limitation. It's only given to you in the spirit of God. The ones who are carnal can never discern the things that are spiritual. So many people here, they want to understand what God's will is in the physical. It doesn't come. It's only discerned when you're in the spiritual. 
Because what would God speak to you about your journey and about what you're going to do through him if you cannot walk in it or if you cannot receive it? So you have to prepare yourself as a believer. And this is the whole point of this teaching is to prepare you. So this is interesting. This is called the walk of darkness. So I'd like to ask you the question. When you receive Jesus Christ, do you immediately walk with him? Do you immediately walk with him? Do you find there is limitations and restrictions? Can I share something with you? And this is something that's not spoken about. When you first come to Christ, Satan turns the whole of hell against you. He tries to trap your heart. He tries to allow you to walk in pride. He tries to allow you to walk in rebellion. He tries to allow you to walk in sin. He tries to allow you to walk in condemnation. He tries to allow you to walk in guilt. He tries to allow you to walk in the love of this world. He throws hell at you. And, and I have to say it how it is. He tries to trap you, harden your heart and isolate yourself by yourself. You know, I love Christ, but I can do this on my own. He throws hell at you in every way. And this is something that I wish not to stray away from. In the beginning of your journey, hell is thrown at you to trap your heart, to allow you to be emotional, emotional, soulish, carnal, fleshly, rebellion, disobedient, religious. So many Christians in the beginning, when you read the Bible and you understand, when you read the Bible and understand, Satan, greatest attack on all the believers is in the beginning. Read it in the New Testament, all over the scriptures. It's in the beginning. What does that show you? That we have to be a body. We have to be together. We have to be accountable. Why? To protect you. To go before your time. To protect you on the things that you have to focus on. The things that need to be worked on. You have to be accountable. Why? Because as soon as a gifting comes upon your life, or as soon as you start to operate in the things of the spirit, you think, you know, I've got it all planned out. Say then. Put a, a, a sign on you. I got this person. We are called to be a body. When we are a body, we can all walk in humility. We can strengthen each other. We can love each other. We can help each other. But most of all, look out for each other. So in the beginning of every person's journey, Satan throws hell at you to stop you. When Jesus received the Holy Spirit, he went up into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And you need to know this. So, when you be with the people of God, they prepare you. For what? Prepare you. Prepare you in this way. When Satan came to me, he found nothing in me. Prepare you for your heart to become like Jesus. So I really believe that so many believers today, they lack in this area. They become idle. They isolate themselves. 
they don't form in the way the body where Jesus told you to come together. Uh, they, they, they become idle. Some of them rebel, some go back to sin, some go back to their old ways. I really believe that in the beginning, it's so important that we stay together, be accountable to each other. Now, now this is interesting. Because how the Holy Spirit took me in this teaching, it's going to open your eyes today. Am I walking in the light of God? Or am I walking in darkness? Or am I not sure what the darkness is? So let's have a look. The word skota'a is in the Greek. The first word, the first word. So this is taken from the, the Strong's Esau and the Thayer Dictionary that defines every Greek word. So the first word of darkness, the word is dimness. Dim, you know, dimness. Okay? You ready? Okay. So for someone to walk in darkness, the word is dimness. Dimness means not being able to see clearly. The state of being dim means to be poorly illuminated. Isn't that interesting? So dimness means not seeing clearly, or the state of being dim means poorly illuminated and almost dark. Now, a few people um, asked me for my notes. Um, maybe um, I'll see if my sister can put it all up together for the people that want it, but this is it. Dimness means not being able to see clearly. Now, if I was to ask the question to the believers today, uh, where's God taking you? And, and it's an honest question to every person here today. Where is God taking you in your journey? What would you say? But this is your heart. You don't have to answer on the page. If I was to ask every believer today, where is Jesus taking you? Someone will say, Jesus died for me to go to heaven. That's, that's, that's the common um, answer. People will answer. But when you begin to understand what Jesus wanted to give you, it is the Father's will to give you the kingdom and the Holy Spirit. To do what inside of you? What is, the, what is the most important role of the Holy Spirit? Have you ever asked yourself that? Every person here? Why did Jesus give us the Holy Spirit? Now, this is a question that you're going to get worked up so much about. Did Jesus give you the Holy Spirit to glorify him on earth? Signs and wonders, casting out demons, healing the sick, walking in signs and wonders. That's the last that's the last thing. When you understand why the Holy Spirit was given to you, you'll begin to work and operate in the most important area. And you know what that is? 
your right and true and proper worship is to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice unto God. The Holy Spirit is in you now, wanting to reveal Jesus inside of you. So let's have a look at this. So dimness means not seeing clearly, or the state of being dim means poorly illuminated and almost dark. Now, this is the, this is the opposite of walking in the light. So unfortunately, and I say it how it is, if these fruits are operating in your life, unfortunately, there is a part of darkness that has to be directed to God or has to be repented from, or has to be searched. What does the Bible say? My people, they perish because of their lack of knowledge. Why did Jesus give you the Bible? You begin to ask yourself these questions. So when I started to understand, the same, the same way that the prophets spoke in the old, the same way Jesus spoke in the new, the same way his disciples and his apostles spoke in the new, they speak the same way, same language in every gospel. And it's interesting when you pick that up, you begin to pinpoint who Jesus wants you to be. You begin to understand it. You can't fight the good fight of faith unless you understand what you're going to fight for. True? Can you fight the good fight of faith if you're not sure about what you want to fight for? What are you fighting for? So let's go. Let's go to the next one. Now, these are challenging ones. And believe me, um, when I was studying, I was blessed because the Holy Spirit, it, it, it always brings uh, such another level or another standard of faith. Another standard, the Holy Spirit, it's like a multi-layer, it's like a holograph. Another standard of faith or another level of faith is making you rise more and more. You think you're comfortable, Holy Spirit comes, come on, lift the standard. He lifts the standard all the way to hell, how Jesus walked. So let's have a look. The next word of what it means to walk in darkness is obscured. So, obscured. Obscured defines as a veil. As a veil to block out, to cast a shadow over with confusion, to complicate, to be cloudy, or to walk in muddy waters. Can I say something? You can never see the reflection of Jesus in muddy waters. So the next word, the next word is indistinct. Indistinct. Defines, now this is a common one. Now this is a common one. Are we ready? Indistinct defines as this is a common one in the church today. Ready? Undetermined. Unclear. Not clearly recognizable. Not sharply outlined or separated. 
the next one, uh, sorry, sorry, from the same word, indistinct, the light is in a distance. So, so you can see the light, but it's in a distance. Now, that's what it means to be indistinct. Now, this is the walk of darkness. How many people are feeling these in their journey in the present time? How many people feel? First one, dimness uh, means poorly illuminated, almost dark or not being able to see clearly. Obscured means to block out or to have a veil or to cast the shadow over with confusion, to complicate, to make it to, to cloudy and to walk in muddy waters. Indistinct determines, uh, indistinct defined as undetermined, unclear, not clearly recognizable, not sharply outlined or separated, and the light is in the distance. The next one. Now, this is the, this is the most important one out of them all. What it means to walk in darkness, which is skota, the word is ignorant. Ignorant defines as ignorant of divine things, which is associated in wickedness, which results in hell. Now, listen carefully. St. Paul said he sinned and he blasphemed out of ignorance, which was done in unbelief. He wasn't a believer when he was blaspheming the Holy Spirit and he was uh, walking in sin. He said he'd done it out of unbelief. Now, this is different. This is a willful sin. This is doing it after that you've been saved. So there's a willful ignorance that you can operate in that will keep you walking in darkness. Are we listening? Saint Paul, Saint Paul blasphemed and done all those terrible things out of unbelief. This is a willful sin. This is willful ignorance. When you know the right that you need to do and you choose to ignore it, and do evil. So what does it mean to walk in darkness? It means that your light is dimmed. You're not able to see, or your. it means that you're not able to see clearly the state of being poorly illuminated and almost dark, obscured, defines as a veil, to block out, to cast a shadow over with confusion, to complicate, to be cloudy, and walk in muddy waters. Indistinct, defined as undetermined, unclear, not clearly recognizable, not sharply outlined or separated, and the light is in the distance. Isn't that interesting? Or am I the only one that's finding it interesting? Ignorant. Of divine things which is associated in wickedness which results in hell. So anyone who operates in a willful ignorance unfortunately is, is, is operating in wickedness. There's no such thing as you being ignorant and you walking with God. 
So let's have a look at some scriptures. I find that amazing how um, the word darkness defines as this, undetermined and unclear or not clearly recognizable. How can you give your life to Jesus if you don't have a clear vision? Remember, without a vision, my people perish. Are we starting to understand now? Without a vision, my people perish. You know what Jesus says before you build a building? Don't you, don't you want to build a building to count the cost? You know when you read the Bible, there's a cost. It's your life. Can you not see it? He says before, you, before you're going to build a building, don't you sit down to see how much it's going to cost? He's talking about your life. You can't build. And when challenging times come, you know, I thought it's a mistake. Or I didn't know I'm going to have enough faith to operate in this place. There's a cost of following Christ. It means that you no longer live. Christ lives in you. The hope of glory. You must know this. When I gave my life to Jesus, I started to read the word of God. And the Bible was clearly, anyone who wants to follow me must pick up his cross, deny himself. And follow him. There's a cost. But can I share something with you? Nothing compares to the joy that Jesus gives you. If I can tell you the joy that's in my heart now every day, it's stable. Why? Because I have him. I have him every day, every moment. He's with me. There's nothing more valuable than this. And I'd like to speak on my own behalf. There's nothing more valuable than having Jesus Christ speaking and operating through me every day. So, so many people say, so many people look at it as, you know, it's probably a burden or it's hard. Believe me, the easiest way has been doing it God's way. And I share with you openly, the easiest way has been doing it God's way. Because joy never leaves me now. You know why? Because I'm operating according to his spirit. And it's true. The joy, if the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's true. You find it difficult when you begin to do it your way. And you bring God into your way. You bring God into your method. Your understanding. The Bible says his ways are higher than our ways. I can never understand who God is. But I can walk by faith. And every day he enlightens me to know him more and more and more. His ways are higher than our ways. His, his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Every day, if I commit to him, and if I worship him, and I remain in his word, every day God moves another part of me to see his glory. And to see who he is in my life. So I don't know if you've known Jesus in a religious way. Believe me. The greatest joy is walking by the spirit. It is so true. I can't tell you. 
even the discipline of the Lord is better than me trying to work it out in my own way. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. This is um, in the Amplified Version. Amplified Version, yeah. I can't tell you, you are all in Christ now. When you begin to try to do it on your own, or you try to withhold something from your life, away from Christ, I really believe it's the doorway of frustration. I really believe that. You know, I sit with people, I sit with people, and um, I tell them, like, how, how do you spend your day? Uh, some people, they get in intimidated from me. I ask them, like, how do you spend your day? Some people say, you know, I'm on Netflix and some people say I play games. And no condemnation. Some people say, you know, like I'm, I'm just, you know, busy just going through the motion of life. Can I say something to you? He will not show himself if there is something else that's taking your time. He will not show himself in the way that he, that he does if there is still something in you that's being uh, given over that's from the world. You will not taste him and see that he's good in this area. You will not. And it's the truth. Whatever's taking your time is who, who you really are. If the world's taking your time, then you're still unfortunately fleshly or you're still worldly. But if you cannot wait to go and spend time with him, it's like you really want it and there's true joy in your heart to be with him, he comes. He comes and he withholds nothing. He brings his presence, he brings his joy, he brings his hope, he brings direction, and everything starts to click together. So if there's still something in you that's robbing you, your time is God, then your heart is still in a different place. And it's the truth. Did I start like that? Certainly. I started with 10, 15 minutes with the Lord. But the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. There was too much joy where my heart became in true communion and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. I didn't want to be in any other place. It's the truth. The worst thing that I've ever heard is that it's a burden to pray. If you ever feel like it's a burden to pray or a burden to spend time with God, you're doing it out of the flesh. That's how you know the flesh is operating. Because the Bible says in his presence is the fullness of joy. And in his presence, he makes known the path of life to you. If you are forced and obligated and pressured to spend time with God, then it's the flesh. The greatest place I, I believe any believer must be is the presence of the Lord. 
So if 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 all you guys here you want your journey to change, I tell you the truth. That all the things that is dominating you or or robbing you from your time with God, it has to be moved. Okay, so let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Amplified version, and I'm going to read, okay? There's some scriptures to read, but this will bless your heart, this teaching, because it will give you a direction how you are to read the Word of God. (coughs) Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 in the Amplified version. So this I say, and solemnly affirm together with the Lord as in his presence. So you have to understand here now, he begins with his presence. There is a key here. So this I say, and solemnly affirm together with the Lord as in his presence, that you must no longer live as the unbelieving Gentile live, in the futility of their minds and in the foolishness and emptiness of the souls. Now, this is regarding the walk of darkness. If you ever want to see where you are with the Lord, if these fruits are operating in your life every day, unfortunately, you're on this path. And believe me, I spoke this many times to myself. There's nothing to be ashamed of. But I was willing to change. The Holy Spirit told me from many years ago, the moment you feel sorrow, there's a sorrow that leads to repentance. There's a sorrow that leads to death. The moment you feel sorrow, sorrowful, it means that you don't want change. The moment you feel condemned about something, it's like you're telling the Holy Spirit that I cannot change this. <clears throat> that you must no longer live as the unbelieving Gentile live in the futility of their minds and in the foolishness and emptiness of their souls. For their moral understanding is darkened and their reasoning is clouded. They are alienated and self-banished from the life of God with no share in it. This is because of their willful ignorance and spiritual blindness. Now pay attention here. This is not for a non-believer. This is for a believer. To operate in the willful ignorance is the most dangerous thing. Why? Because a spiritual blindness comes upon you. And please hear me out here. Hear me out. This is because of their willful ignorance and spiritual blindness that is deep-seated within them because of their hardness and insensitivity of their heart. Okay, so let's keep reading. And they, the ungodly in their spiritual apathy, having become callous and unfeeling, have given themselves over as prey to unbridled sensuality, eagerly craving the practice of every kind of impurity that the desires may be demanded. But you do not learn Christ in this way. Now he's addressing the believers. But you do not learn Christ in this way. If, in fact, you have really heard him and have been taught by him, just as truth is in Jesus, revealed in this life and personified in him, 
that regarding your previous way of life, now he's, he's speaking about your previous way of life. You put off your old self, completely discard your former nature, which is being corrupted through deceitful desires. And be continually renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh, untarnished mental and spiritual attitude. And put on the new self, the re regenerated and renewed nature, created in God's image, God's like in the righteousness and holiness of the truth, living in a way that expresses to God your gratitude for your salvation. Therefore, rejecting all falsehood, whether lying, defrauding, telling half-truths, spreading rumors, any such as these, speak truth each one another with his neighbor, for we are all parts of one another, and we are all parts of the body of Christ. Be angry at sin, at immorality, at injustice, and ungodly behavior. Be angry at it, be at war. Yet do not sin, do not let your anger cause you shame, nor allow it to last until the sun goes down. And do not give the devil an opportunity to lead you into sin by holding a grudge or nurturing anger or harboring resentment or cultivating bitterness. Now, this, the way that he describes this, is, it's, it's amazing. Look what it says here, cultivating bitterness, as in you're continuously plowing that ground and allowing bitterness to grow more and more and more. The thief who has become a believer must no longer steal, but instead he must walk, he must work hard, making an honest living, producing that which is good with his own hands so that he will have something to share with those in need. Now, isn't that interesting? Have you ever heard that statement that, that God actually called you to work so you can share what you have with others? So for every person here, God called you to share, with what, share what you have with others that are in need. Begin to practice this. That's how you take the spotlight off yourself and you put it on Christ. Do not let unwholesome, foul, profane, worthless, vulgar words ever come out of your mouth, but only such as speech as is good for building up others according to the need and the occasion so that it will be a blessing to those who hear you speak. Now I'm hitting some nerves. And do not, grieve the Holy, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, but seek to please Him. By Him you were sealed and marked, branded as God's own for the day of redemption, the final deliverance from the consequence of sin. Now isn't that interesting here? It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, but seek to please Him. How do you grieve the Holy Spirit? 
read everything that I just read before that. That's how you grieve when you walk in the old man or your former conduct. That's how you hurt the Holy Spirit in you. When you're continuously living in the carnal or the natural or in the world. That's how you hurt the Holy Spirit. You grieve him. He has a personality. The Holy Spirit has a personality. He has feelings inside of you. So when you grieve inside, it's the Spirit of God grieving. Why? Because you weren't created like this. You are created for God. And, and did I grieve the Holy Spirit in the past? Many times. But I wish not to be like this. Now, let's get to the next one. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, perpetual animosity, resentment, strife, fault-finding and slander be put away from you along with every kind of malice or spitefulness, verbal abuse and malevolence. Be kind and helpful to one another, tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, forgiving one another readily and freely, just as God in Christ forgave you. Isn't that amazing scripture? You begin to see now, what it means to walk in darkness. He covers everything. To walk in darkness is that whole scripture. That's one, that's just one definition of what it means to walk in darkness. So you begin to see the bigger picture now. Why am I reading the word of God? Am I reading the word of God to deal in this area? Or am I reading the word of God? To, to understand the story about Jesus. You know the word corruption? The word corruption in the Greek is pathiromonon. That's the word in the Greek. You know what it means? It carries the idea of rotting, wasting, rusting or being defiled. Such things are, are ruined and use, useless with no value to themselves or others or God for their use. You know, you know the word corruption, it's like a decay. It didn't start like that. It started washed and cleansed by the Lord Jesus Christ. So the word corruption means to rot, to waste, to rust, or being defiled. Such things are ruined and useless with no value to themselves or others or God for their use. Now read that scripture. That's one scripture regarding the walk of darkness. So someone may say to me, okay, I started to read the Bible to find out what God hates. What happened? I started to turn away from it. I started to repent from it. I started to be honest with the Lord, 
Lord, forgive me for walking in this way. I choose now to put on the new man, which was created in God's righteousness and image. But picture this, if you're a believer and you're still operating in this way, unfortunately, you remain in the path of darkness. Someone may think they came today online to watch me preach about a mystery. This is a mystery. The darkness today has crippled the body of Christ. Has crippled the body of Christ. So many people, unfortunately, are rotting, wasting away, resting. Why? Because they haven't searched their heart. And your heart only gets exposed when you are challenged or when people have hurt you or when people have come against you. You never see your heart until you're in the tribulation or in the challenge or in the circumstance. You never see it only when you enter this place. <laughs> What's funny is when people come to my house, I speak one language, fellowship with the Holy Spirit. When people come to my house, I have one language. I want to fellowship with the Holy Spirit and learn the deep mysteries of him. You know, when he teaches, true joy comes in your heart. Your heart testifies to the truth because what he speaks allows you to know him more and more. I'm not interested in anything else. Never have been. Everything that I do, I want to do it to glorify God. Because that's who I am, and that's who Jesus died for. So you see what willful ignorance does? It allows you to operate in the walk of darkness. 1 John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus lived. So we've all heard this statement before, right? Yes? Has everyone heard that statement before? Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus lived. Now, what was one common factor of Jesus' life? I want to read it. Let's go to First Peter. Let me get that scripture. First Peter, chapter four, verse one to six. Well, actually, yeah, we'll go there. One second, I'm just going to get on the computer. So first Peter chapter four, verse one to six.
Okay. Yeah, amplified version. Oh, um, no. Yeah, amplified version. Okay, so let's read it. First Peter chapter 4, verse 1 to 6. It says, Therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh and died for us, arm yourselves like warriors with the same purpose, being willing to suffer for doing what is right and pleasing God. Because whoever has suffered in the flesh, being like-minded with Christ, is done with intentionally intentional sin, having stopped pleasing the world, so that he can no longer spend the rest of his natural life living for human appetites and desires, but lives for the will and purpose of God. For the time already past is more than enough for doing what the unsaved Gentiles like to do, living unrestrained as you have done in a course of shameless sensuality, lust, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties, and wanton idolatries. In connection with all this, they, the unbelievers, are resentful and surprised that you do not think like them, value their values, and run hand in hand with them into the same excesses of dissipation and immoral freedom. And they criticize and abuse you and ridicule you and make fun of your values. But they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge and pass sentence on the living and the dead. For this is why the good news of salvation was preached in their lifetime, even to those who are dead, that though they were judged in the flesh as men are, they may live in the spirit according to the will and purposes of God. Okay. Now that's that that's one scripture there. Arm yourself in the same mind as Christ did. Now you begin to see, am I reading the Bible to apply these truths into my life? Are you reading the Bible in this way? Okay. Okay, so now let's look at some points. These are some good points of how the light of God consists in your life. Are you wondering now where does the light of God come? How does it come in your life? Where is it produced? Let's go to Psalms 89, verse 13 to 17. This is from the NIV version. So Psalms 89, verse 13 to 17, <clears throat> from the NIV. It says here, your arm is endured with power. Your right hand is strong. Your right hand exalted. Righteousness and injustice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you 
who walk in the light of your presence. Lord, they rejoice in your name all day long. They celebrate your righteousness, for you are their glory and strength. Now it shows you where the light of God is produced. It's produced inside of his presence. Now look what it says here. They have learned to acclaim you who walk in the light of your presence. Look what's produced. This is a description of blessing. Look what's produced in the light of his presence. Look what's produced here. It says here, righteousness and injustice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. So here it's showing you that when you spend time in his presence, righteousness and just injustice, righteousness and justice, the foundation of your throne, love and faithfulness, they go before you. Then it tells you here, he says here, that whoever walks in the light of your presence, they rejoice in your name all day long. They celebrate your righteousness, for you are their glory and their strength. Now, this is interesting here about his presence. He says here, they rejoice in your name all day long. They learn the key. What it means to be in the presence of God, to be in his presence, every time you get the, you get the opportunity to. He says here, they rejoice in your name all day long. Now, this is the key here. It's showing you how the presence, it's showing you how the presence is produced in your life. And it says, yeah, for you are their glory and strength. So the light of God comes upon you when you spend time in his presence. Righteousness, justice is established in you, and he begins to teach you his ways. Let's go to Psalms. Let's go to Psalms 119, verse 97 to 106. Now I'm beginning to allow you to understand. I'm beginning to allow you to understand what does it mean or which way you need to read the word of God. You begin to see here in the psalm, how they used to read the word of God and what was it given to them for. So Psalms 119 verse 97 to 106, the New Living Translation. Now I chose the different translations because um, they've gave a good description of it. So that's what I've been doing every time, going through all of them to see which one uh, explains it the best. Psalms 119, 97 to 106. Now look what he says here. Look at the key. It says, oh, how I love your instruction. I think about them all day long. Again, the presence all day long. They stayed in the presence all day long. They remained in God's instructions. Now you think about it. This is, this is your journey. This is your life. When you, in your heart, 
feel like you need the word of God all day long, it means that you're in a place where you want to overflow with God. Think about it. It's interesting because both of them, about the presence and about the word, they become their saying all day long. People get tired when I preach for an hour and a half. He says, oh, how I love your instruction. I think about them all day long. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are my constant guide. Yes, I have more insight than my teachers, for I am always thinking of your laws. Now, it goes to show you here, it goes to show you here, how much he was eating from God. Every believer here, when you draw near to him, he draws near to you. How do you draw near to him? His presence, his word. You begin to see? You've probably heard this a thousand times from me. But remember, while you're reading the word of God, to deal with the walk of darkness, so you can walk in the light. Now look what it says here. They are my constant guide. Yes, I have more insight than my teachers, for I am always thinking of your laws. I am even wiser than my elders, for I have kept your commandments. He shows you there. He read. He obeyed. He read. He obeyed. Who gave wisdom? Jesus. He gave you more and more wisdom. James talks about it. That if you read something and you're not a doer, you deceive yourself and the truth is not in you. So let's keep going. He says, I'm even, I'm even wiser than my elders, for I have kept your commandments. I have refused to walk on any evil path. Now there, amazing key there. He read, his, he read the word of God so he can avoid every evil path. So that I may remain obedient to your word. Look what happened here. One little pandemic, one little challenge. Everyone started to twist their words because of their appetite in their heart, because of the fear, because of the doubt, because of the confusion, because uh, the love for this world or the fear of failure. However you want to say it. Look here. I have refused to walk on any evil path so that I may remain obedient to your word. I haven't turned away from your regulations, for you have taught me well. How sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. Your commandments give me understanding. No wonder I hate every false way of life. You begin to see why they read the word of God. Do you read the word of God? to hate what is evil and to cling to what is good. Because if you read the word of God in this way, yeah, you'll deal with your heart and you remove anything that is not of God in your life. Then there's an open door between you and the Holy Spirit. There's an open door every day for you to fellowship with him. Your commandment give me understanding. No wonder I hate every false way of life. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet 
and a light for my path. I've promised that once and I'll promise it again. I will obey your righteous regulations. You begin to think now why they read the word of God. You begin to paint the picture inside of your heart. Are you reading the word of God to deal with evil? Are you reading the word of God to deal with unbelief? Are you reading the word of God to deal with the love of this world? Are you reading the word of God to deal with the iniquity of the heart? Because when you do this, God has your time, God has your heart, your life becomes stabilized in him. You've probably heard this teaching in a different way so many times. But do you read the word of God in the beginning to deal with that area? Because if you do, God will establish you. Now, this is the next, probably the most important thing for a believer when he first starts his journey. He needs to understand this principle. Okay. So, walking in the light of God consists of, we go to 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 to 10. Now, this is important because when the light of God comes inside your heart, something happens. And if you're not aware of this, you can fall into the trap of the devil. And you need to know this. This is so common. I see believers falling into this trap, being easily attacked from the devil. And I'll explain. So let's read it now. It says, that which was from the beginning, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. Now he's talking about handling the word of God. They sat with him, they saw him. Now they're handling, they're handling it and they're giving it to us. Since yeah, the life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father, was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. All these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Now there's a key here for your joy to be full. And, and I'll explain it to you. This will bless your heart and will allow the enemy to lose any control over your life. This is the message which we heard from, the, from him and declared to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now, this is interesting here. This is interesting because as soon as the light enters you, 
darkness is going to get exposed. Now, when darkness gets exposed, you have to be quick here to confess it to the Lord Jesus and to claim forgiveness regarding this. If you refuse to confess it, that's where unworthiness is produced, condemnation is produced, lack of love towards God is produced, hardness of heart is produced, bitterness is produced, frustration is produced. That's when the enemy traps your heart. You begin to see, because if it's not being released and forgiven by the Lord Jesus Christ, then you're carrying it on your own. So when the light touches your life, guess what happens? Darkness is exposed. Then the cross becomes alive. You go to Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, I've identified greed in my life. I've identified lust in my life. I've identified pride in my life. I turn away from this, Lord Jesus. And I ask you to forgive me and to, and to forgive me and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So whenever anything surfaces, it's because the light has shone in your heart, allowing the darkness to get exposed. So important for every believer that you don't fall into the trap of the enemy because the enemy will discourage you, allow you to be hard, hard your, harden your heart. Unfortunately, when you harden your heart, you're, you're in a place, absence of God's love, absence from God's compassion, absence from God's mercy. But if you confess it, the light is taking it away, cleansing you, not allowing you to operate in this way. So many believers, they carry this every day, and so many people leave the Lord, so many people stop praying, so many people stop reading the Word of God. You know why? Because the enemy has trapped their hearts. The Bible says, what does the Bible say? It tells you that when you confess your sins, you've brought it into the light. When you conceal it, you suffer. When you hide it, you suffer. So what the enemy does, when God is working in your life, he comes into that place and he allows you to feel condemned, unworthy, separated from God. And so many people don't even ask God for forgiveness, no matter how many times you fall, no matter how many times you struggle. The only way that's going to allow you to lead to a place of repentance, it's the goodness of God. The goodness of God is only exposed to you when you've confessed it and received forgiveness. That's how brick by brick by brick by brick by brick, God's mercy, God's compassion, and God's love perfects you. And that's when you eventually turn away from sin. His mercy is new every morning. What allowed me to turn away from sin, I understood the principle of mercy. Mercy goes to God to receive mercy in time of need. I can go boldly to the throne. Every day, God's mercy is washing me. God's compassion is washing me. God's love is washing me. Another part of me is understanding and receiving the love of God that allows me to escape from my former ways. So this is a constant thing. In the beginning, when so much darkness is getting in your heart, so much sin, so much rebellion, so much pride is getting exposed in your heart, it's so important that you go to God and bring it into the light. Every day, if it is. Some people, it's not every day. Maybe it's weekly. But I want to share with you how you get washed, how you get cleansed.
from all unrighteousness. So something that was so important for me, understanding how I read the Word of God, it's so important for me, or how to, how the light actually um, illuminates inside of my spirit, confessing and receiving forgiveness. Confessing, receiving forgiveness. Don't let the devil trap you in this way. That's why so many people are in the area where they feel disconnected from God. Why? because they stopped getting washed from what Jesus done at the cross for you. So he's showing us here that when the light comes inside, he's going to begin to expose darkness. So no matter how many years you've been in the Lord, whether a babe or you've been many years in the Lord, it is what it is. Whatever's surfacing, deal with it. So I'll finish off with one more scripture. So the light, what does it say here? It says that when the light comes, he begins to expose the darkness. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. This is the last scripture and, and that's it. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 to 14. This is in the New Living Translation. I just want to explain to you what happens when the light enters your heart. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 14, it says, imitate God. Now he's showing us, taking us back to the life of Christ. We are to imitate Jesus himself. He says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the examples of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Now look what it says here. Following the example of Christ, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse their, their sins. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in these things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. You begin to see now what the light is. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good, right, and true. Now you begin to see what the light is producing. For the light within you produces only what is good, right, and true. 
Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. Now, when the light comes, what happens? You're exposing what's really in your heart, your character, your mindset, the way of life in you. It is shameful even to talk about these things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. So what happens when you sit in the presence? What happens when you sit in the word of God? What happens? The light makes everything visible. You begin to see what you, who you're really fighting and what's fighting against you. If you can get the presence right in your life and spend time in the presence, praying the Holy Spirit, worshiping, reading the word of God, believe me, the process will be so much quicker. If you avoid these things, the light cannot reach that area. The light cannot reach that area, meaning you, the Holy Spirit will not be able to illuminate his light inside your heart. For the light makes everything visible. What did we establish? His word and his presence brings the light. We understand that? This is why it is said, awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Now, these scriptures are amazing to understand. Now you begin to see the picture that when I read the word of God, am I exposing what's really in my heart? This is, the, this is why the word of God was given to you. This is why the Holy Spirit was given to you, to work in this area of your life. You know what happens when you do this? Naturally, you become a light of the Lord. Wherever you go, he shines his light through you. And it is the truth. Wherever you go, he shines the light through you. So I think about it like this now. Am I reading the word of God in this way? Because if you do, you'll grow. You'll flourish. You'll understand. Or am I in a place where I'm idle? Nothing's happening for me. Some people may say I've fallen into the trap of the enemy. I've stopped confessing. I got frustrated with sin. I got frustrated with my old man. I got frustrated in the way of rebellion. Learn from this today. Whatever you fell victim of, confess it before the Lord and he'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But just know how the light works. When you know how the light works, you prepare for it. The enemy, what does he do? He comes into every process of God and allows you to harden your heart. Meaning, I can't overcome this. This is too hard. The will of God's too hard for my life, especially when you go through challenges. Especially when things aren't uh, uh, working for your life. Especially when you're a slave to sin, a slave to this world, and you want to overcome, but you stay there. The key is, the light comes, bring it to the Lord. The most important thing I find when I spend time with the Lord and read his word, I'm, I'm honest with him. The moment you're honest in your heart, you can become honest with God. But guess what? 
how can you be honest with yourself with God if you don't spend time with God so the light even shines in your heart? Did you give him that time to apply the process into your life? Because if you gave him the time, the process will begin to take place. But if you didn't give him the time, how can the light shine and expose and make everything visible? So I share this with everyone. Encourage your heart. But the most important thing is this book. Psalms 119, Psalms 89 about the light in the presence and in the word is crucial. And you have to understand the last process is a common one. Many believers get sucked into this place. Many believers fall victim in this area where they don't, when the light comes, they don't confess it. Light exposes it for you to confess it and receive your freedom at the cross. No matter what it is, you bring it to the Lord, He forgives you, He takes those things away from your heart. You're no longer a slave to them. They're no longer dominating you and dictating you. You become free instantly. That's the cross. You have to understand Jesus died for you, but to save you from what? When you understand how Satan is enticing you, dominating you, dictating you, you'll know what to take to the Lord Jesus to get washed. But if you don't allow the light to shine, you can't be honest in your heart, you can't be honest to God. Guess what happens? Your path remains, unfortunately, a path of darkness. So I encourage every person here, three keys here. The presence brings the light. The word of God to hate evil brings the light. And confessing and receiving forgiveness is a key that allows you to continuously gain momentum in the spirit, to continuously operate in the way of the spirit. If these three keys are operating in your life, Believe me, you will never fall short. But Satan traps you. How does Satan trap you? He traps you in the word. He uses the word to trap you. So bless you all. Uh, love you in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I hope this message blessed you of how to read the word of God and what type of darkness you're up against. What type of darkness you're up against? For me, when I started to read the Word of God, I want to know the things that God hates and the things that God loves. Before anything, the mature have, dis have, have learned and discerned both good and evil. Those are the mature. Who are the mature? They have discerned both good and evil. God considers them mature. How can you know what's evil when you don't know what the path of darkness is? So the moment I learned about the path of darkness, what happened? I started to line myself up with the Holy Spirit. So think about it today, how you read the Word of God, 
about your heart and about everything that I shared with you today. Expose that scripture that I quoted. I want you to spend time in, in, in this scripture, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, all the way through from the Amplified Version. Spend time. Examine your heart. Search your heart. And be honest with God. Because the moment you pinpoint what's been attacking you and what's been operating your life is the moment you can go to God in Christ Jesus and you can nail all those things to the cross. It's there. Jesus takes each one of them off you. So in the beginning, how you read the word of God is crucial. And how you build is crucial. And you begin to see the same way in all the scriptures how they speak. Read the word of God to deal with evil. Read the word of God to deal with the things of the world in your heart. You begin to see. So bless you all. I'm going to stop here. And I'm going to continue um, from week to week to share my heart, how the Holy Spirit taught me how to read the Word of God. Read the Word of God to love God and to hate what is evil. You'll grow. And the Holy Spirit will be so attracted to you to make residence in you where every day you begin to hear his voice and you hearken to him. He loves this area. Why? Because this area is why he was given to you. Unfortunately, the people, when they died, they said, Lord, when we received the Holy Spirit, we've done signs and wonders and all marvelous works. They didn't identify why the Holy Spirit was given to them. Are you listening now? I teach you something new. When they saw Jesus, they said, Lord, we casted out demons, we healed, we prophesied. He said, go away, you workers of lawlessness. They didn't understand the Holy Spirit was given to work on the area of iniquity, lawlessness, and sin. They didn't understand that. They thought the Holy Spirit was given to glorify Jesus, which it will come. But they didn't understand the main reason. The main reason was to cleanse your heart. Can you see this now? Jesus chose, Jesus chose the heart over the gifting. See it? He chose the heart over the gifting. Can you see now? Jesus chose the heart over the gifting. And unfortunately, it was too late for them. They were condemned to hell. So you have every chance now to get your heart right before the Lord. But remember, they chose gifting. Jesus chose heart. And what a terrible thing to think you were doing all the things. Because they said it to God confidently that they were doing all these things. He says, go away, you workers of lawlessness. Or you workers of iniquity. They didn't understand why the Holy Spirit was given. Why was the Holy Spirit given? To destroy the works of the devil in your heart.
Can you see now? Can you see now? So every believer, this is truth. And this is what the Holy Spirit's doing. The Holy Spirit is given to you to cleanse you, to convict you, and to prepare you for your life on earth and prepare you for life in heaven. So out of all this teaching, there's so much you can get from. Jesus chose heart over the gifting. Let this be registered in your spirit. Bless you all in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the people that are listening on Facebook and Zoom. This teaching is from the Holy Spirit. And step by step, he's building you in who you were created to be, the image of God in Christ Jesus. You are to live exactly like him. And I encourage you, it's the truth. And we are all working towards this place. So you must know where the Holy Spirit's pointing, pointing to your heart. So let's pray as a body. Whatever you need from God in this present time, whatever is lacking, will come in agreement with all of us. And we'll pray together for God to give you the desires of your heart. So let's pray, all of us, for the people on Facebook who want to give their life to the Lord Jesus Christ and they feel like that this message was for them. Open your heart for the Lord. Open your heart. Jesus loves you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. If today you want to commit to the Lord or you want to give your heart today, open your heart for him, he'll come. Hallelujah. Father, in Jesus' name, we worship you. We give you all the glory. We thank you, Lord for your living word that you have sent in Christ Jesus. Jesus, we love you and we worship you. Lord Jesus, I pray for every person here today that they have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your son that you love. I pray for every person here today, Lord, whether they are suffering mentally, whether they are suffering emotionally, whether they're suffering spiritually. And for all the people that are watching, that have been walking the path of darkness, I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that you have mercy on them. For your mercy triumphs over judgment. It is new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I pray for your faithfulness to enter their hearts. And I pray, Lord Jesus, today, that you release them from every attack of the devil. In Jesus' name, I pray for their minds, I pray for their hearts and their flesh. Their hearts may fail, but you're the strength of our hearts and our portion forever. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. Great is your love. 
And I pray from today, Lord Jesus Christ, that you strengthen us in this time. Strengthen us by the power of your might. It's not by your strength, not by your might, but by your spirit. And I pray from today, Lord, that greater is the one who's in us than the one who's in the world. I pray for all the people that are suicidal, suffering with anxiety and depression. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you heal them today by your stripes and your wounds. I pray from today, Lord, that greater is the one who's in them than the one who's in the world. I baptize him into the Holy Spirit. And I pray for every person suffering, Lord. I pray that their breakthrough comes today. Hallelujah. I pray for all the people that are struggling financially, that you alone, God, are our provider. And I pray, Lord Jesus Christ, today, that whoever comes to you shall lack no good thing. I pray for their spiritual life to change, their mind to change, and their lives to be blessed. Thank you for the privilege and honor, Lord, to share your word. Thank you for the wisdom in the Holy Spirit that you have given to us so we may know you more and more. Teach us to walk in your light all the days of our life through the spirit of grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you all and thanks for your time.